Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. This is a midweek pod right before the OUBYU game. The Sooners are back on track to make a run to the Big 12 championship if the Sooners can win and if they can get a key loss from one of the teams that is contending with them for a spot. I'm Steve. I'm Connor. Jay. Lucas. So we're outside enjoying absolutely gorgeous weather here. This this fall has been so beautiful. Um, it's not even hoodie weather, which I guess we could complain about, although two of us are wearing hoodies. Um, it's just it's just so beautiful. I'd like to say that the Sooners are looking beautiful, too. They were in the last game. We'll see if they can keep that up. We've got a road challenge, the last road challenge of the year. Everything from here on out will be home or neutral field, depending on where we go. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think we're going to keep the momentum going against this BYU squad? Now, keeping in mind... Their average age is about 37 years old, so they're very experienced older gentlemen. <laughs> Should pull a bunch of hamstrings and stuff there to 37. You would think so. You would think so, but I don't know. We'll see. I hope the offense continues what we saw last week with the, you know, throws over the middle that were actually complete this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, involving Stogner actually worked. Uh, less jet sweeps, more... Uh, pump fake misdirection type stuff that they've been setting up the whole season apparently and decided to bust it out in one game. Um, And for as poor as BYU is on offense with what they've done in conference the last five games, we should have more possessions than normal. And I looked it up earlier, and I think our last five games we averaged 13 and a half possessions per game. Now some of those are, are getting it back with like 45 seconds worth of half. And you only get to run a couple plays or kneel down or, you know, stuff like that. But 13 to 14 possessions was what we were getting. And that was against teams that actually can move the ball a little bit. And if BYU doesn't, that should give us a couple extra possessions and gives us a greater chance of scoring. Yeah, I think so too. And you always want to maximize your chances. I'll tell you one way to maximize your chances if you're out there and you're fishing you tune into Fluke Luke Fishing. Just a reminder, he's the sponsor of the Midweek Pod. Fluke Luke Fishing YouTube channel. Fluke Luke Fishing brings you feel-good fishing content and honest reviews of equipment and tackle. Please go watch, like, and subscribe. Fluke Luke Fishing. Fluke Luke thinks we're going to win. He thinks we're going to beat the old man of BYU. What do you guys think, Connor? <clears throat> uh, it's the same. I mean, talked a little bit about it in the, the pregame uh, or the, 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 the video before the pod for this midweek. I, I think to what Lucas said, if we can see that momentum from the offensive side continue, um, we haven't seen Jeff Levy put together two straight good games building off of each other uh, since he's been here. So I hope he doesn't go back to this, you know, ticky tacky gimmicky stuff and trying to make things work. Just let let your offense run the offense. Let Dylan do what he did last Saturday. Let him let him throw those balls over the middle of the field like Lucas said. I I think as that going back and rewatching that game, I, we saw a great game from Dylan against Iowa State, but this one I think even more so, he built his confidence as the game went on as well. And a lot of those throws where he's having those receivers set up over the middle that aren't just Drake Stoops, um, I don't know. It, it looked it looked promising. He's and still throwing behind him. He's still throwing behind him. And again, I think that uh, that's just the that's at this point that's just who Dylan is, right? And I will, I will accept that for what it is if we have the play calling that we had the other day. 
Um, so really want to see a lot more of just that basic, you know, classic offense that we're used to throwing the ball around the field and getting people open and, and kind of crushing down people's throats. Uh, defensively, just more of the same, right? I mean, outside of that first possession the other night, it was a dominant performance. I mean, we were up, what, 31-7 to at one point uh, going in, in the second quarter, and I don't think we allowed them to score again after that uh, last score in the second, right? Did they score it all in the second half? I don't think they I don't did. I think so. Uh-uh. So, I mean, we had a we had a one half of shutout football last week, which is nothing to scoff at, regardless of who you're playing. So, um, just that complimentary football that we're always asking for. Yeah, not too much to piggyback on after what you guys just said. I'm a little bit more pessimistic. Uh, we've just been really subpar on the road, and I don't know if it's just Levy wanting to be more conservative. You're you're quote your defense travels right so defense plays well just don't do anything stupid on the road to cost you games which we have done but so maybe he won't be as enthusiastic to throw it down the field over and over and over but with it with as poor as BYU is I just want to see just marginal success honestly just to build off a little bit from from last week and really bring it all home together for what could be a very important Black Friday football game against TCU. You think the 10 a.m. kickoff affects us much? No, because it's still 11 for us. Yeah, that's my kind of outlook as well. Well, I hope it doesn't affect us. And what it, it may do um, is improve our chances. It, it may, to the degree that we would worry about a BYU home crowd being in the game, that's got to be a real diminishing factor. 10 a.m. is just very tough for anyone to get very enthused about a, a sporting event. Um, I think it's a real take care of business type of game. Uh, you know that you're better. You are a 24, 24 and a half point favorite. That is very substantial. We haven't been that big of a favorite in a game this year since um, Tulsa, probably. Tulsa, yeah. Um, what was SMU? Cincinnati was probably. Cincinnati high. was 20, I think. Um, so it's it's one of the bigger spreads, obviously, and that's even after we've had a couple of relatively poor performances. To correct, um, West Virginia actually did score. They scored right a touchdown. Right before half, right? No, oh. at, uh, nine minutes to play in the third quarter, uh, oh. and then they went for two and failed. Okay, that was on the third quarter. Okay, right. for some reason I thought that was in the second. So mm-hmm. okay, but yeah, other than that. A great defensive performance Way to for be sure. Wrong, Connor. Hey, uh, yeah. I, I appreciate and the I appreciate the correction out. for sure. For lack of a better word, but to get the monkey off our back uh-huh. from that victory last week, um, just to know that there is still something to play for, not just the coach speak or pride, what Stoops says, etc. There actually is something to play for here, and to kind of get that off of our back and the offense show up and the defense do well. Um, there's no reason to not go out there and make it a business trip, like you said, Steve. Yeah, I hope to see that. And it's a barometer game to see where, where your program is, if you're able to put two games together offensively, if you're able to do just what you're supposed to do. This is a game where you're supposed to dominate defensively. We looked up the stats. We quoted them a little in that preview video. They are not good. They're not good offensively scoring the ball or defensively preventing scores. They are very bad at scoring points. Well, the talent deficit is just, I mean, it's massive, right? Like yeah. you said, like it has to be, this, this has to be a game where you go in 
And you dominate. And you don't have to do a lot to dominate. Right. In fact, you are always worried about the trick plays and the different gadgets they may un unroll on you. But by and large, you should be able to contain that without much worry. It's not like you're going up against athletes that can burn you very much. These guys just are not that way. You still have to be serious about it. In fact, I'd be more worried about them finding a way to slow, uh, speed the game up, um, slowing down their possessions, giving us minimal looks at it, and just being disciplined themselves, waiting for us to make a mistake. That's probably their best bet for success. That and a few things they may throw our way that maybe lead to a cheap score. Um, I don't. It's supposed to rain at. Uh, uh, right now, I think it's it's later that day. Um, but so apparently, not rain. apparently, the chances have continued to move up as the okay. week has progressed. Maybe so. get a little of that. Maybe it's cold. a 10 a.m. game. So I mean, if, well, it, if, if it's, it's anything <laughs> like Kansas, we'll be screwed because we won't throw the ball at all. Yeah, that's what's that's scary. That's actually pretty concerning. Although we are running the ball better and better, including Kansas. Um, hopefully we keep that going, but we know that to run the ball real effectively, you've got to have a good passing game. And so we talk about complementary football between offense and defense. We need to see complementary football within the offense, having some offensive production and balance on both the running and the passing game, which we did see against West Virginia. You know, looking at their schedule, they have a really weird outlier of a football game, and that is beating Arkansas. And Arkansas, you know, say what you want, it's a decent team, mm -hmm. and they went to the wire with Alabama. So it's just such a strange game that we all love college football, <laughs> where week to week it's it's a lot really of pretty unpredictable. Yeah, BYU opened the season at home against Sam Houston State and won fourteen to nothing, and then two weeks later they go was it a neutral site or at Arkansas? It was at Arkansas? At Arkansas, won thirty eight thirty one like. That's a crazy turnaround over a two-week period mm -hmm. to go from barely beating Sam Houston State. And then to come to conference play and you can't score anything. Yeah, other than Texas. I think Texas Tech they scored, uh, was it 27 maybe? Yeah, against a not a very good team in Texas Tech. So <coughs> it's one of these games where you're really looking for a great opportunity to put someone away, keep the foot on the throttle or whatever to um, – not let up, get that late score in the second half, or excuse me, at the end of the first half, and put yourself in a great position to get your backups in, get rest for your starters, get some more experience for some different guys, which we know it looks like for sure Jackson Arnold won't be a part of that because for some reason they're going to redshirt him. Um, but other than, than that, you hope to see a lot of these other guys get some serious playing time, which means other guys are able to rest and get healthy or stay healthy. So that's something you want. And again, part of taking care of business is just getting out there and getting into a good lead and putting a game away as quick as you can, for sure. Hopefully, as far as playing a bunch of people, is not the, not the case of running back, at least for the first three quarters. I agree. <clears throat> we need to see Sawchuck get in the rhythm that he got into against West Virginia. Um, he had the big run against OSU. Was it 64 yards or whatever it yep. was? Running to the outside that we never saw the rest of the game. But then last week, it was a pretty good mix of inside and outside. But he did he have 22 carries or something like yeah. that. So I want to feed him the ball, especially if the weather's going to be not so great. You still have to have the throw of the pass, unlike what we did at Kansas. But if you feed Sawchuck 20 times, I mean, he should have over 100 yards. And then Drake Stoops is your best weapon on the team. And I think he had 12 catches last week. 
to me, you can keep throwing that until they stop it. Because once they try to stop it by bringing the safety down, then you've got an over-the-top situation to Nick Anderson or Gibson, and then you're reopening the offense again that way by, you know, if you start off in the first couple drives of just feeding Drake, well, then they're going to have to adjust, and then you've got the downfield stuff. Yeah, so um, I, I think that, I don't know, you say Stoops is our best weapon. He's been our most productive weapon. I don't know if he's truly our best weapon. How crazy is it that he's at the top or at the top of most statistical categories in the in conference. conference. Yeah. It's well, wild. It's, it's very impressive. And you've got to keep using a, you know, I was going to actually say something about Salchek, and I'm going to say it about Stoops as well. Regardless of what you may or may not think about him being the best option, he's proven here late in the season to be that option. Feed him the ball. With Salchek, we all think, I think, were we unanimous in thinking Salchek was our number one long-term running back? I was high on Sawchuck before I ever got here, but watching the bowl game, I was very high on Sawchuck. Right, so I think going into the season, we all felt like Sawchuck would be the guy. And we thought Barnes might be the And Barnes might be number two, finishing it off. Now, that hasn't proven to be the case. It looks more like it's a Sawchuck-Walker situation. Regardless, um, he has proven to be your guy. Feed him the ball. Let's see him get that production through three. I like your idea of through three quarters, and, and hopefully then you can give him some rest and let somebody else come in like a walker and really finish him off. Same thing with Stoops. Um, if they're not going to cover him the way that teams have not covered him, give him the ball. He's dependable, and he may not be your home run threat, but we don't really have big home run threats since Dylan struggles on throwing the ball deep. It's um, just a cliche, you know, do it till they stop it. Just... Absolutely, and it's important. It's one thing that I think we've been in, in past times many coaches are afraid to do they're afraid to go back to that well for some reason of being criticized or being gimmicky yeah levy especially has been seemingly reluctant to do it so uh, yeah i'm with both of you guys on that i mean it's been great seeing sawchuck get into a groove um over the last couple weeks i mean he's running with a lot of purpose and this game last week uh saw the patient side of it that I don't think we saw earlier as well, like waiting for those. And I think it also speaks to the offensive line as well, right? Like we're figuring things out up there. I mean – No, we didn't have our starting right tackle. Didn't have our starting right tackle. Yeah. I mean, we've – and I, I don't know if Guyton's going to be back this week. Uh, sounds like Sexton's going to get some snaps at least. Um, and then you have – you have I think Sexton and Caden Green um, running out as captains this week. So mm. you have a redshirt freshman and a true freshman mm. as quote-unquote captains. So, I mean, that shows everything that – they're putting together on that side of the ball. Um, so, I don't know. It's The running game finally being here is a breath of fresh air. It's just, and th- maybe this is th- the entire team, it's frustrating that we're staring down two losses and having to, you know, get help. thread the needle and, and pin stuff up on a, on a board to figure out how we get into the conference championship game. It is. So, I mentioned how it appears, I guess, it's become clear that, that they're looking to preserve the redshirt year for Jackson Arnold. And now this week we've got a little bit, and this gives us an opportunity to talk about something that was a listener request, that we talk about the possibility raised that Dylan Gabriel will return. So um, we talked about this, I think, actually in the off season as well. I don't know if we mentioned it or talked about it really maybe early in the season, the idea that he might 
not be done with his college career. At that time, we actually talked about a possibility that he would transfer and finish his career somewhere else if he just wanted more time in college or needed it. I'm not sure. Let's discuss this. I'm not sure he needs it, doesn't need it. If he can roll together, string together several more games like the West Virginia game, that might be all he needs to establish his credentials in the NFL draft. So he only needs eight more touchdowns in each. Yeah, not games. not the eight <laughs> touchdowns part, but the the, the passing efficiency, the um, the passing production, and some of the running game. So if he can if he can set the record um, or break Ty Detmer's mark in terms of uh, career passing over the next few games, uh, I think that that might be enough. I'm not sure. But I guess they raised the possibility, Venables, when asked or, or alluded to the idea that Dylan might not be done. What do you guys think about that? I think what's really interesting is this is a little bit of a byproduct of NIL because uh, he probably makes more money right now than I would guess that he will make next year trying to go pro because I don't think he'll make a pro team. I agree. So if you're him and there is an option of coming back, I mean, you have to attempt it. Now, best case scenario, which again will never happen because it's just not real life. It's not a Disney movie. Um, He just continues to be a mentor and understands that this is Jackson Arnold's team next year. And I'm just going to reap the benefits of NIL and help coach up the youngster as much as I can. But that's just not reality. Mm-hmm. Um, not where you'd be that close to breaking the all-time, all-time, all-time passing, passing record. record. I mean, I mean, well, he's at but ten he, right now. He, what can he get to? Real, he, he realistically, could, in the next three games, he could in the next three games. Well, the next three games, probably game. one or one more person, maybe two. Yeah, I, I think it's that's the he can he can pass Ty Detmer. Okay. Is you know ironically so from no chance BYU. He gets to eight then, um, well, let me look and while we're talking about that, I. I don't think this year. I don't think this year. Like if you're Venables, right? And this is a possibility. I'm not. I'll even go as. I'm. I'm not the biggest fan of of DG. But it's not the worst idea I've ever heard of going into the SEC with that experience of a quarterback. Albeit, I think under a true quarterback competition next year, a real competition, I don't think he'll beat out Jackson Arnold. No. I would I would be really surprised if he could do that. I think the the worry too. I mean, if but you if have to have that conversation with Jackson Arnold. Like, if that's a possibility, like, are you okay? Well, and that's the thing. So if if you have if you have Jackson's buy-in, and it's comp- like, and it, he says, "Look, one hundred twenty percent. Yeah, buy-in. I'm I'm here, and I'm I'm here. Like, I need to hear his but grandma say it. If you're <laughs> if you're Dylan, though, the the thing you got to weigh as well. I, I agree, the NIL does play a big role in it. As, as well, right? I, I agree with you, Jay. I don't think he's going to go. I don't think he'll get drafted. I think he could get picked up as an undrafted free agent and go go to camp and stuff like that. But if you're Dylan, you let's say you you continue this momentum, you end the season on a high, you do have some stock at that point to say you can test the waters a little bit. But going into the SEC, you've also got a chance to completely ruin any shot that you have of. You know whether it's making a team or, or getting drafted, because you could get exposed. I mean, if if the ceiling, I'll go as far as say he will get exposed. I, and I, I tend to believe that as well. I think I think it's going to be more of a oh crap, 
why did I like I you you wasted a lot you wasted a whole year of your time you wasted a lot of stock that you had to be able to say you know I could have been one of the best quarterbacks in the senior bowl going into this season and got some credentials there but instead you're going you're throwing interception in the SEC you can't move the ball and you've been exposed for I mean I, I love DG he's been doing a good job lately and has been serviceable this year but just arm talent. it's just you you've basically tanked everything that you've been working for so i i tweeted it to you guys i in my opinion if dg walks into brent venable's office and says i want to stay nightmare scenario just from a pure like now brent has to sit there and have one of two conversations whether it's i understand that but either it's a you're going to be in an all-out quarterback competition with jackson arnold and there's a possibility that you won't start or b this is Jackson Arnold's team. You need to go find somewhere else to play. And that's under the assumption that Arnold is progressing the way that it is. We all assume assume that he, he is, is right. Yeah. So, and we hope he is. But that could be an indictment of Levy as well. Something we've always worried about is his quarterback development, which we have witnessed an inability to develop a backup quarterback in some critical situations. Obviously, still don't know if he still has don't developed know. one. Still don't know. So Dylan Gabriel right now, if this is accurate according to uh, sports reference uh, stats, he has 14,274 yards. That puts him 10th on the list all time. He needs to get to... Now Sam Hartman, who's still playing, is at 5th um, at 15,239. I'm looking at Graham Harrell, who is at 15,793. Setting aside whatever Hartman gets to to surpass Harrell as being fourth on the list, or it would be fifth probably with whatever Hartman does, he needs 366 yards per game passing, if, including, we play in the Big 12 title game. So, more realistically is getting to Ty Detmer's 15,031. It's definitely within reach. What very, number is that? Uh, so, 15,000... No, what, what rank is Ty Detmer? Oh, he is sixth. So he could jump from 10th to 6th by the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it's pretty, pretty likely. likely. I mean, he needs – ah, did it wrong. Math. So he needs about – well, not math, not just math. It's iPhone <laughs> calculator. So if we play four games, he needs 189 per game, if I'm doing this right. If he plays three games, it's 252. Very doable. Very doable, yeah. Um, so – now, Case Keenum has 19,217. That is still achievable with a really good year in 2024. That'd be very tough. And what playing is Case much, Keenum playing much better defense. Playing much better defenses. What, what number is Case Keenum? Number one. He's, He's number, number one. one. Yeah. yeah. So, but regardless you're, you're of that. about a 4,000-yard SEC season. Re, yeah, that'd be well, phenomenal. About, it's possible. We'd have... We'd have well, potentially 16 games to play. I mean, he's in a different situation than Trevor Knight was because Trevor Knight didn't transfer from somewhere first. He started here and then transferred to A&M for his senior year after he sat on the bench behind Baker for a full season and was the consummate teammate from everything you hear. You know, he had kind of, you know, he lost his lost his job to, to Baker, but still raw rod on the sideline, all that kind of stuff, said all the right things, and then grad transferred to A&M. For just the one year, right? Yeah. 
Yes. So Gabriel would be a grad transfer and be eligible to play right away for his final season. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that, like you're saying, if if he gets back his draft card and it's like sixth or seventh to undrafted, maybe he just goes and takes his brand to another school where he – I mean, it would be a step down to go from an OU to say an SMU or something along those lines. What about Oklahoma State? Well, yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> or wherever Levy goes. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe Mississippi State or something like that. I mean, there's there's a chance he could go to a, a non-Power 5 school or a lower Power 5 school and try to break that record. Yeah. Now, and I think it comes down to, although it it is coordinated with what you're saying there, what you had said, Jay, it's about money. It's about his long-term future. He has to weigh those options, and he probably doesn't see it the same way we do, and we could be way off because I know there's other fans that are certain he's going to get drafted, late but drafted, and I, well, actually mid-round or draft, you know, for drafting. And they're thinking he's likely to make a team. They really, um, you know, they think he's likely to make a team. So if he is evaluating it that way, he needs to think about, the risk of injury and what you would get out of one year of NIL versus one injury could take away a, a, any chance at a pro career where you think you have a chance at a pro career. So I, I don't know how he weighs that equation, but he's also got to think, like you're saying, Lucas, what are your chances you're actually going to get the job and keep the job at OU versus get beat out three games into the season by this guy who you know is phenomenally good in Jackson Arnold? You might just want to take your chances on a transfer if you think you need to come back. I still sit back. I mean, the comments that were made earlier in the season and, and press conferences around, Venables made one around, this is Dylan's last year. Dylan himself said, this is my last year. Um, I know things change as the season goes on and as things come closer to having to make that decision itself. But I don't know. I mean, if I had to pose the question to you, we can, we can do the same thing that we did with Levy a couple weeks ago. I mean, if you guys gave a percent, and you could do this in two different facets, a percent chance that Dylan is at OU next season, what would you say that chance is? 15% chance. 15%? Yeah, I was going to say 20. Jay? I'll go even lower because this is, I mean, this is big boy football coming up. I think Venables knows it's big boy football, and as important as experience is, there's just too much talent sitting behind him to not to not let it rip and go. I, I just I'll say five percent. What do you say? I think I was around the twenty percent range as well, and just out of a I don't know, and twenty percent or maybe slightly less. Could so you imagine though? Could you honestly the the position that we would be in if Arnold wasn't on board with that? Be very difficult. If we if if now, we lost wait. Arnold, you you might to keep a and you might be assuming an eighteenth year of you may Jackson be thinking about it wrong. or of uh, Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> you may be thinking about it wrong. Brent Venables may be doing a classic move out of a coach, which is try to retain a player and keep that asset as long as you can, with no intention that he's going to be the starter. He just would love to have a really solid backup. So Arnold may be in on it, or in terms of buy-in, knowing you're going to have the as fair a shot as any and likely will have the starting job he just wants to have a great backup why else i look at it for everything that we're seeing we're not that wrong why else would you worry about this situation i don't think you can do that to a kid 
that's I mean, been that. Well, you may not do it to a kid, and Brent Venables might not do it to a kid, but it wouldn't be a something a coach hasn't done many, many times. Somehow Lane kid. Kiffin convinced Spencer Sanders could come be a backup at Ole Miss. <laughs> a third string. So A third string. I mean, as it turned out, crazier yeah. things can happen. But that's because those guys don't think they're not going to win the job. Yeah. But could be the, the same thing. Yeah. But second in second part, maybe the better question, I think, because I I don't I just don't see how he comes back to OU as a backup. I don't see how this isn't Jackson's team next year. So what are the chances that Dylan Gabriel is playing college football next year? That's a slightly higher chance in my opinion. Well you gave it twenty percent already, so, so that's yeah, a high I'm number. It's, um, I think it's probably around thirty five percent. Yeah, I think forty to forty five percent. I wouldn't go that high. I'd say I had fifteen, I'll double it to thirty. There's a lot there's a lot of mid tier power five schools that would take Dylan Gabriel in a heartbeat. Yes. There's a lot of big ten schools that would take Dylan Gabriel. Yes. I, I mean, don't he even can go play for Kevin Wilson at Tulsa. I don't even and, know that and put up tons of yardage. I mean, I think you guys are even I'm not a fan, but I think you're lowballing them there. There's a lot of teams, good power five teams, losing quarterbacks after this year. I I mean absolutely yeah. could see him playing for Florida State. Or or North Carolina. What's your probability that he that he's we don't know what's behind all those college. They may somewhere they else. may right. think they have their Jackson Arnold on the bench Waiting yeah, for I mean, Drake obviously, I don't know everyone's waiting depth for completely. DJ Ugulele to, to leave or Bo Nix. I mean, well, we I'll don't know what's this. behind those There's guys. There's not very many schools that have a Jackson Arnold on the bench. I'll, I'll just put it that way. So, and what, Jay, you so think? what's your probability? Yeah. I don't know. You think he transfers to what a it, power what is it? Put a number on it. Before he goes to the No, no, no. Probability play. he's playing for another college next year. Any college. 60. Wow. So that's a strong number. The reason I think that's a strong number is I don't think there's only a – you're basically saying there's only a 40% chance he tries to go pro. And they don't get a free look, right? No. If he goes, he goes. You get a free grade. Yeah, but if you enter the draft, you enter there. So so he could pursue – he could get right up to that edge and come back. Uh, you know, come, come back from the brink and decide to return to college somewhere. It's kind of crazy how the NCAA has let the – I mean, I guess you could still do this in the in football, but the basketball kids can put their name up for the draft. Oh yeah, they get to go much and then, because there's into only it. two rounds. So if they don't get drafted, they can just come back. Well, college baseball is as even long more as they different. haven't hired they an get, agent, but they get drafted, you can still have an agent to do your NIL stuff. You just can't have a, an agent to do your pro stuff. Yeah, yeah that's what's jacked up, up which because is stupid. Originally, before you didn't want an agent fronting you a bunch of money on a potential draft um, income that you're going to make, right? But now that you are making NIL money, who cares what an agent were to get you leading up to the draft? Lucas, what would you say? What do you think the, his percent next year? Probably playing college football still? I, I mean, for it's 50-50. 50-50? Yep. I can, see either, I can see cases for both. I no, not, col- not any college, just not OU. Any college but OU. So 50% chance of a college not OU? Yep. High number. Just because, I I mean, it's... I would if, take if both he, of those Like bets I said, if he gets a card back side. saying you're sixth, possible sixth to undrafted, um, he's going to go to the combine. I don't know that he's going to test well in any category. Uh, athletically... I know one category he will not test well. Arm strength, yeah. <laughs> athletically, he's 
good. He's not great. He's not gonna. He's not fast. He's not gonna wow any teams. Yeah, he's not a runner. Um, he's he, short. He doesn't have the arm strength. He short is is isn't really a thing anymore after the last couple drafts between Baker, Kyler, um, Bryce Young. You're talking about you talking about elite quarterbacks, accurate, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what. But I'm Heisman talking about the short, winners, the short aspect yeah. of it isn't as big of a factor as it was. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I mean, how many Heisman, how many non Heisman Trophy winners? I have still been think you guys are shorting him. I mean, he's he's a guy that's been in Heisman contention this year. There's that's going eh, against everything we're already so saying. There are so many we, teams, though. All, yeah, but so yeah. many college teams that would take Dylan Gabriel. But we're not. No short, one's saying they not, won't. We're not shorting him in terms of his draft stock. In no, my not opinion. draft stock. No, but you're right. I mean, I I'm not, and I trust me. I think there's a lot of good teams out there, like. I'm not going to say he's going to go to a Florida State who could be contending for a national title this year. They, I mean, he could. I bet but Clemson would kill for him. I'm, what I'm saying, yeah. the dispute between our probabilities is, I think he's going to go into the draft. You don't. I'm not saying he wouldn't make a bunch of rosters. I, I, I think in the portal he'd be swept up right away. I'm just saying he never gets to that point because I think he's going to go all the way to try to be in the draft. Or he's going to return to OU. I mean, how I don't, we don't know what his degree is. Maybe he's already consigned to the fact that he's not going to be an NFL quarterback and wants to go jumpstart whatever career he's looking at. Um, no there's way. also Could be in football. There's also stuff to be said about um, not that he's an OU legend by any stretch of the imagination to me, but signing autographs post-college. I mean, how many people are going to do, you know, where you go sign – a hundred helmets or whatever in a hotel conference room, and they pay you, you know, fifty bucks a helmet to sign. How many? How many of those can he do in a year? And all that works better and if he paid. stays or comes back. If he ends his career at OU, including leaving, being done now, or comes back to OU right. and finishes. It's very difficult to do that if you go anywhere else. If he goes somewhere else, I think he's really thinking established. I mean, there's obviously the NIL money might be great wherever else he goes. But he's also, I think, thinking, I want to make that leap to the NFL, and this doesn't get me there yet, but this next program could get me there. Compare him to some of the perennial backup NFL players, um, the Chase Daniel, the Mason Rudolphs of the world. He's not nearly as he's, good as there. He's not as good as oh, there. Oh, no. He doesn't have the arm, arm no. talent either of those guys have. And you could go down the list of all the guys. You know, Rhett Bomar made a squad for a couple of years. Um, Landry held a clipboard. He's not as good as Landry. Yeah, no, not even close. Not even close. So I, I don't see him being drafted strictly on arm talent as his major holdback. No, I think he has to know that too, which is why his only other or he'll find that out right when he gets great very quickly. His yeah. only other thing that he can do is to, is to grow a legacy even further and that's just to get more yards and move even further yeah, I mean, how cool would it that's be, just what he'll always have how cool cool to be like yeah you didn't make it in the nfl but you're third all-time NCAA passing yardage yeah i mean that's that's pretty wild I mean, you could you could come back and maybe he goes home he maybe could he i'm walking myself into the disney story where he comes back knowing he's not going to be the starting quarterback and you're only one play away from stepping back in that's right and you might be Especially a part of a national championship winning program also said, that's the fairy tale that he's just becomes the you know consummate leader of the young guy and puts all of his potential 
future stuff on the I back think that's, burner. I think that's the lowest probability. Yeah, of every I don't think that. It just doesn't seem real, in my opinion. Yeah, it's very low. Yeah, I would agree. It, it's of my fifteen percent chance that he comes back to OU. That's less than a third of that. Unless and he they knows pay him to do that's that. what's happening, huh? Unless, unless they, they pay, pay him, him to do, do it. it, they very well might. I mean. Brent might like, hey, you've got nowhere else to go. Say, yeah, no, he might say, I need you, a great backup quarterback. We're going to get you as many ideal, uh, yeah. NIL deals as you can. You're going to make a million dollars a year, Norman, and be a backup quarterback. He's not making that now, though, as the starter. I'm just saying. You know. Well, but but that may be the math that they want to do. Yeah. Is they, they, it, it, whatever he's making, it might be triple to come back and be the backup. Maybe. That that could happen. Who knows nowadays with all the NFL Who knows? The NIL stuff. Yeah, because we've never. It all remains to be seen because it's so new. Yeah, I would. Lo- I mean, I would love it. That's I mean, a, you, you have oh. a you have a player coach at that point. Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's a great. It's like the the Drew Bledsoe to Tom Brady transition that type could, of thing. That could actually improve his draft stock. Oh, absolutely. For twenty twenty five. Yeah. No. Uh, it, well, it, improve it adds, it, adds where he intang- is. it adds an intangible in his file that I mean, but nobody gives. Yeah, the NFL's not that. drafting kids because they're they're going to help grow another player down the road i mean well if he comes back and if he has meaningful players for that minutes that look good he may be a they sign he may, veteran backup yeah, he, he may not get drafted the yeah, young veteran, but, veteran he, but, but veteran he might nfl guys that have played for 10 years in the league he could be a free agent who well, gets he that is going to be a veteran to some young guy well that's he's chris that's a rookie veteran that's an interesting conversation obviously we could go on and on about it but let's transition to another interesting conversation one that another um one inspired by a listener request so the big 12 came out this week and clarified some rules about tiebreakers crystal clear crystal clear um so it looks like basically what they they looked at the way it was going to break down and thought oh my gosh no it doesn't make any sense if a team that beat two other teams and those two other teams make it to the title, that can't be. And so they, I think, reversed themselves and changed the rules after the fact, inappropriately, to make it in certain scenarios where Oklahoma State would make the title game, I guess against Texas, uh, over a Kansas State or Oklahoma who would otherwise be tied with them because they Oklahoma State beat both Kansas State and Oklahoma. Um, what do we think about changing the rules with, you know, inside of the season, much less with three weeks to go when it's obviously going to benefit one team and, and hurt some others? I think it's stupid to do it mid-season. It's obviously the correct choice I disagree. to be made. I disagree. They did not play the toughest team in the league, Texas. And so they're, just like Kerry Murdoch said, their schedule is artificial all of them are different, and so these rules aren't necessarily better if you structure it so that if you beat teams head, you could have a team. I guess it's. I guess you're only saying in the event that they're tied. It's it's a head-to-head situation against team A beat B and C. Uh, B well, and C didn't play each other. So I know. the best case scenario is if all three of those teams that are tied did play each other in the season, one of those one of those teams is two and zero, oh, and the other two are one and one. Yeah. But one of those, so, so two things. One, would you feel the same way if one of those teams wasn't even contention for the Big 12 title? Let's, let's assume that UCF beat Oklahoma and Kansas State and then lost four other games. 
they're not going to get to the title otherwise. You're not going to elevate them above an Oklahoma. Yeah, they're Kansas not in the State. tiebreaker scenario. Okay, so you're only looking at it when they happen to be in the tiebreaker. But they're only in the tiebreaker because Oklahoma played Texas and actually beat them. Played one of the toughest teams in the league. Oklahoma State escaped playing. But in that every team. every conference in the country that doesn't have a round robin, which is all of them, outside of, I mean. SEC big, and Big Ten. Until this year of the Big 12, because we did play, play the round robin. Right. Every other conference does it that way because Alabama and Georgia haven't played each other in But they're 10 in divisions. Years. They're in divisions. So I mean, it, that, it, it that, that one doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything. Well, it does. They don't ever have this tiebreaker come up. What about the Pac-12? So, I don't know how the Pac-12 rules are. I, I will say that this rinky-dink conference obviously didn't think them through when they wrote their rules, if they're having to come back in the middle of it and, and rewrite and clarify what it is. Why are they not is. just copying-pasting what other conferences do? I don't, yeah, exactly. Like it's, they have no foresight. And it's just, it is such a testament to this BS league that we're in, this conference. It's, it is such a joke. I mean, it's week in and week out. It's, it's so something, Big 12 of them. Week in and week out, it's something else. Every week. And it's just like... Like they're doing it on the fly. It is the fact that, Lucas, you said the perfect word, the foresight, to not even – you are in – you're two weeks – you're two weekends away from the end of your regular season. (laughs) And And you just now go, oh, You made an amendment to a rule. They can say they didn't change it or whatever else. They added a full sentence today on a quote-unquote clarification. I call that an amendment. They They changed it. Mid-season, late mid-season, to I mean, it's just so crazy to me. It, it baffles me. I there's a scenario. Can't find the right words for it. This weekend, based on if if it all went a certain way, <clears throat> that there's like an eight-way tie or something. <laughs> crazy. Which is which is always possible, especially when you have a league that is as pathetic as this league. And that's part of it, where you better think through your tiebreakers because you're in a league where, whether you think that's an attribute or not, everybody can beat anybody. That's where the foresight really comes into play because you're limiting yourself on putting the best possible teams forward. Because the rule that you had proposed was basically... Just your highest ranked. Your highest two ranked highest in the playoffs. Right, in the playoffs, cause that, which gives your conference the greatest chance of getting into the playoffs and or another New York Six Bowl. Which is what happened in 2008 when we were the highest ranked team in the South Division above Texas and Texas Tech that put us in the conference championship game. Right? So, I mean, it's just... And then they made the mistake in 2014 of not having a champion when they couldn't decide between TCU and Baylor mm-hmm. and cost themselves a shot at the national t- or at the was it playoff that year? It was first the first year, year of the year playoff. playoff. Ohio State snuck in ahead of them and, and wins the whole damn thing. Should the Big 12 have made divisions for the one season and done probably two 17 I say no. I think they should have clarified their rules and been intelligent. I, I think that the problem with divisions and the reason the, the Big Ten is going to go away from them and that the SEC is not going to have them is you do exactly what we're worried about is you do what happened in the Big 12 year in and year out where your best teams weren't in that championship because you had to have someone from the other side. Same thing that's going to happen this year in the Big Ten where you're going to have Wisconsin or Iowa or whatever joke is on that side of the conference play what is otherwise a really good team in Ohio State or Michigan 
for the championship. That should have been rematching essentially more than yeah, likely. Basically. I don't like the idea. I don't think division solves it because I think divisions creates these these artificial groupings that there's no reason to believe year in and year out you're going to have the number one and number two team happen to be on opposite sides or of the are division. Are you stuck at having the division winners having to play in your conference championship game? That's the whole point of having a division. Yeah, I think that'd be the point of the division. But maybe you just have divisions set up so that you have like easier scheduling or like teams or cross then, crossover yeah. games. Then you eliminate easier. you still easier. just take the top two teams. Yeah, but then you... Which, is what, the, which is what the Pac-12 is doing this year. That is The, the Pac-12 has divisions still, but now they've changed their rule where That's regardless of division winners, potential. you will have the two that just makes best record, yeah. best teams in the in the championship. I mean, how many years of the North and South in the Big 12 were OU and Texas the best two teams? Right. But OU... Most besides... Yeah, most. Kansas State years yeah. a couple and times. And a couple early Nebraska ones. Like, I guess Missouri, too. Yeah, well, at least it wasn't like always clear cut, three or four years. Yeah. Yeah, three or four years. And, yeah, and there's years where we played like we played Colorado oh, yeah, when they Colorado. were probably the third best team in the conference. Third well, the, nor- the, well nor- the, north, 2000, the North had a lot more parity than the South. Yeah. I mean, A&M <laughs> had the early years, and yeah. every other year after that was OU or Texas. Yeah, right. I mean, 2000, 2001, uh, probably. Probably not. I don't know about two thousand two, two thousand three. Not sure about that. Two thousand four, um, two thousand eight. Um, at least those. Clearly, the South had the do- by far the two best, if not the three best teams. Two thousand five, yeah. as well. I mean, that's when Texas went on to win it, right? But OU, OU wasn't, wasn't that good. OU wasn't that yeah, good. OU was now. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Um, but anyway, yeah, quite a few times. It just and you, you look no further than the Big Ten and the mess that they're in. And it's year in and year out. In fact, that's something that's been to the detriment of the the dominant school, be it Ohio State, in many years, when they their stock wasn't real high because the victory they had in that game just didn't mean a lot because they beat the hell out of somebody who was mediocre. They beat per- the, Purdue was in the conference championship yeah. last year. Yeah, but Purdue. even think about the think about the years that the SEC has gotten two teams in a playoff because. Alabama and LSU went to go play Georgia, and the other one sat at home. I don't think and that's still because made the divisions. Playoffs. I don't think that's because of divisions. I think that's because they had three highly elite teams. Some would say that's because of SEC bias. I don't believe there's much of a factor there. I think it's just because they had three of the best teams in college football, for sure. I don't think the well, division Ohio State's made that. in by not playing in the big Yeah, they've avoided game. playing yeah. in the championship. Well, Ohio State's a whole special case because if you remember in COVID, they changed the rules yeah. so that Ohio State could play in well, the championship last, during the game. Season. Last, during year, the last season. year they got in exactly. without playing in the championship game. Yeah. Well, think about the, the national championship between Alabama and LSU. Yeah. That was the year that OSU got hosed, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, That's why I don't play uh, nine games Al- in names. I remember Nick, on, Nick, on a Saban, <laughs> Thursday. Nick Saban literally said the season before I don't think a team that doesn't play for their conference title should be able to get into the national championship game. And lo and behold, the next season, <laughs> having a that lobby was him. for it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and that's the the fun political side of it. And yeah. again, nothing nothing that we're saying here is going to discount the fact that we we would not. We're all extremely frustrated that we're in this position to have to talk about this because we lost two games and, and, and that we should have won. as much as we're frustrated by officiating, it's of our own doing. Yeah. Poor play calling and poor execution, yeah. key turnovers in the Oklahoma State game, 
a bad game plan there, a bad game plan against Kansas, and we're looking at two losses. But it's the our fact own is, fault. this is where we're at, and it's worth talking about because it does have an impact on us and what we're trying, what we're trying to do with this season. As I mean, and why I we're think, getting out of this conference yeah. because this rinky dink conference yeah. can't get their stuff together to figure out how they can position themselves for success. They, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I do know that if we were in Oklahoma State's position, we would be ringing the bells that we beat both of those teams, we should be in the conference championship I, I agree before the other two teams. Maybe, maybe not. I think I'd see the... We definitely would. Yeah, I, I don't think would. so. I think I'd see it both ways. I think I'd see, like I do right now, I see the case for Oklahoma State, and I also see the case that the rules are the rules, and I understand the logic of why they, what they were trying to do, I think. Um, OSU should be just as, just as frustrated with the conference as we are for having to, for putting, because I, I agree, if, if the foresight exists, the clarification is up front in front of the season, and it, it's as clear as what they are trying to make it out to be now, then great. Fact of the matter is, the rules were not the rules that they are today, a yesterday. week ago. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100%, but in OSU's case, you can only play the teams on your schedule they didn't choose to not play Texas this year. It just that was the happenstance of their scheduling. So I that think that was the rule. If but, it's a but, three-way but, 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 tie between two teams you've beaten, then even if they would have played the other teams, then they should still get in because well, then write write a strongly worded letter to your mark and say yeah. you better not be doing this crap when we are trying to be this power in the Big Twelve, which they won't be. But when they're trying to establish themselves as the the conference dominant team or any of these teams, like it, it don't have don't it have doesn't a, bode well for any of these teams that are going to be in this conference next year. No, it doesn't, and don't have a solution that's a, only a half ass solution. Yeah, this is just a piece together solution to get the team that everyone by their own logic thinks should be in the game if these scenarios play out. We can play a million scenarios out, and we can come up with all kinds of well, actually. This team did do this against this team, so therefore they should be in. I think you need a clear-cut rule like Jay lays out. If you're really a conference that's serious about having a real, real meaningful reason of why this team and that team should play for the championship, what is your end goal? What are you trying to establish? I would say you're trying to establish your best bet at a conference champion and the best bet at a team to advance, and that it has everything to do with your two highest-ranked teams and very little to do with who beat whom back in September. Especially because the conference shares the wealth distribution of bowl games. That's true. Well, there needs to be, yeah, some more objectivity to the whole thing um, that is very much lacking the way that they've worded it and the way that they've they've put the rule out there. Well, there's just an incredible lack of foresight. And another thing that had a lack of foresight Let's spend a few minutes talking about the A&M situation, which is just a beautiful debacle. Um, oh, man. It just, if there is a program that is more emblematic of people who are completely, I don't know, I'm trying to find a phrase that's not just completely derogatory, but um, just um, getting by on their own supply. They just make the stupidest, cringiest decisions. And this contract that they just bought Jim Bo Fisher out on is so hilarious. To pay him $26,301 per day for four years 
to not be their coach eight is, years. or eight years, excuse eight years. me, is so he makes hilarious. He makes over a thousand dollars an hour, <laughs> twenty four hours a day for the next eight years to not be their coach. It is so Aggie. Is so there when a he goes to back? bed and he wakes up, he just made eight thousand more dollars. Is there a um, provision that if he gets another job, he no longer collects? Nope. I don't think there's a non compete clause in there. It, not for a head coach. There's not. Nope, I don't think so. I, I, was, oh I didn't think I don't God, know why it's even worse than I thought. I don't it know why be. they don't write those in there because remember, I think it was Matt Rule. He gave when he up got, his money. When for... he got fired from the Panthers, if he took another head coaching job at all, then he stopped getting whatever his buyout was. Yeah, right. Right. So yeah, he, he gave so away he 15 million bucks or something. Yeah, he could have sat at home for two more years before he took a job and just collected the payday and then went and started. But. That guy loves football so much that he went to Nebraska. Jimbo looks like a guy well, and who belongs. Well, he doesn't want, want for money either. I mean, we're yeah. talking about rich people. Jimbo looks like a guy who belongs on a, one of those sports desks at halftime, though, and is doing some stupid BS analysis. He's of, too of, annoying. Hey, I don't think so. Vanderbilt versus he's, Kentucky. I don't think so. Oh, I think so. He's Look at that smug guy. <laughs> I mean, I think he's going to go coach somewhere, but, I mean, if he wanted to, I mean, God, take you were at Florida State, and you ended your tenure there under a lot of scrutiny and a lot of fire. You come into A&M, you have negligible success relative to what you should have. Go take a break. Go, <laughs> go, Urban, go, Mac Brown, this thing for a couple years, and then and then go get a job. If you if you take away his couple Jameis Winston years, what has that guy ever done? Nothing. Nothing. Where, where was he the coordinator at before? He was at Florida State, right? Well, he was no, at he was at, he beat he was us at at LSU. Or, yeah. Oh, he was at oh, LSU. LSU. That's yeah. right. He was on that. He was, he was on, he was on that team, Saban right? squad that beat us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm talking about before he took the Florida State head. He was the offensive coordinator under Bowden, wasn't he? Oh. And then Bowden, Bowden retired, and he took the the head coaching job. Is that where val- he was? Let me validate real quick. I don't think retired is the right word for it, right? For Bowden? Oh, Bobby Bowden. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, I think was he was the offensive okay. coordinator for Bowden when Bowden yes. retired, and then yeah. he got promoted to the job. But he also got kind of pushed out, though, didn't he? Well, I mean, he was yeah eighty. Yeah, whatever he was. Yeah, yeah, he was he was OC uh, QB coach at Florida State. How many years was that before just, he got just there? two? Just two. Where was he? The, the LSU, before that. So 2000, uh, 2006, he was OC at LSU. 07, uh, three seasons at Florida State. Seven to two thousand nine, uh, Florida State OC. And then head coach from 10 to 17, and then A&M, 18 to yeah, seven. was already years. gone then. Seven years, He's and he produced six. just one guy who we, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember that season. I was so frustrated by seeing Florida State win that title because they were not the best team. He was not a great quarterback. He just had... Well, athletic skills with his feet. And Auburn completely chokes that national championship off. I mean, yep. they, they have a big lead in that game that they end up blowing and mm-hmm. losing the game, which I, I don't like either of those teams. That uh, was yeah. a weird game to it watch. Was a weird but, game to watch. Um, yeah, Jimbo, Jimbo's not much outside of Jameis. Yep. So who do we think is going to take that job? Who do you, This is the, the handicapping pod, apparently. So what probability do you have that Lincoln Riley takes that job? Lucas. 10%. Aligned, Jay. 10%. Yeah, I'll I'll go 15 just for fun. Just to be above him? Connor? 10%. I, I, it's so, it, I, he's not taking that job. I have inside information. Uh, he said he is not the next coach at Mississippi State. That <laughs> means he for sure is going to take. I would I would put it somewhere around there, too. I'd say very, very low chances. I, um, 
Maybe I would go lower than any of you. I'd give it a 5% chance. I'll throw you a seismic event if it were to occur, though. San Andreas Fault level. That's Southern Lincoln California. to A&M. And Caleb's coming with him. For as much NIL money as A&M could possibly find. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean... I'd love We it. talked about Dylan Gabriel <laughs> and his massive. draft stock. I mean... Are we sure that Caleb Williams can't mar- meaningfully improve his draft position by coming back another year? Maybe so. Depending on his... I and make a could, lot of money doing it. I think he it. could make $10 million going to Depending A&M. on his school status, he can't go to A&M and start. If he, he might have Unless graduated. he's a graduate. Yeah. yeah. And what's the he's probability he's already used his free transfer. Yeah, he Good can't. He can't tra- you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I love the scenario, but you're so, right. There's no this is his, chance. This is only his third year. So this is his junior oh, year. I guarantee you, he. I, so I'm, he does. This is no knock against him. He probably doesn't in terms that. of his intelligence or his ability. You know, his his worth as an, academically as a student. But I'm gonna guess his class load is not real difficult. I mean, maybe he, he did concurrent enrollment when he was in high school. Real far into his. I'm gonna say no. I'm going to guess no. I don't think so either. I'm just, <laughs> I'm I'm just saying that. He might have came into college with 60 credits already. Well, that's what I'm saying. If he didn't bunch a concurrent I'll enrollment. bet against that. Yeah. I'll say no. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting, though. I mean, they're going to go throw some bags at some people. And, and you know them. They thought they were going to get Nick Saban last time All right, time better around. chance. Do you think it's a – do you think A&M does the smart thing and no. gets a good football coach, or do they get a splash hire? Splash. Splash. Tell me what you were talking about earlier with you think because they paid out Jimbo okay, yeah, mid-season. This, this is what I was thinking. You've got to come up with guy. a large amount of money. I don't care how much money you have. If you're going to come up with $76 million, right? You go sit down and you talk with your donors. Like, listen, guys, I'm going to need you guys to pony up $76 million and we're getting Jimbo out. They presented a $160 million check at halftime the other day. I thought day. it was 300 No, but I'm saying. Was it? Well, regardless, whatever that picture okay. is, it was outrageous. <laughs> still, but still, it's still I can't remember not what it was, though. play money. It, it is have, to those guys. No, you have to still say, okay, that's cool. Who are we getting? And if you're the athletic director, you can't say, Mike Elko, <laughs> Jeff Trailer. Like, you just can't be like, what do you guys think? <laughs> I, no, I, I agree, and I like, think that, that is have that is why they're in their they're somebody be, lined up, like somebody you really well, well, think well, well, you can I, get. I don't think so. I don't think you have to have somebody lined up, but I th- you, you you got an idea that you can. Yes, so you, you think either that's have, what they have right now. You yeah. either have someone lined up, or you say we're going to go get the biggest name we can possibly get. I can't make a promise about who that is, but w- there is no limit to who we're going to pursue, including NFL guys. We're going to go get that guy. I could see them saying that, and that's how those donors all nod and say, yes, now this is on the right track. I just don't know. Here's like, my even, wallet. Even from a splash hire standpoint, I, I know money, money says a lot, I guess. Who, Bill your, Belichick. Your biggest – yeah. <laughs> Your biggest splash high, that would be crazy. <laughs> that would be absolutely crazy. And I saw some stuff saying Belichick is already basically backdoor confirmed he's not going to be the coach in New England next year. That's wild. Um, I didn't think about that one. But who, I mean, so your big splash hires. Let's keep it. offensive coordinator. <laughs> let's keep it at, oh, man. God, that's so, <laughs> so many levels. I love it. And they, uh, McDaniel comes in as, uh, <laughs> as some, some sort of, he's, he's gone now. Um, 
Let's keep it at the the college level. Your biggest splash hire is obviously Nick Saban, Kirby Smart. There's no, there's no. You're not going to get those guys. Yeah, zero. Dan Lanning would probably be a, a close third at this point. He's basically come out and said, no, hard no, no effing way. <laughs> am I one huge do that? one you're missing so far. I mean, I think the biggest splash hire possible. Dabo? Nope. No, you think it's Dion? Nope. Oh, Dion would be. He would not be a splash hire. Nope. I think there's a huge splash hire you haven't thought of. Dion is not a splash. Who? Brent hire. Venables? Urban Meyer. Oh. Yeah. See that that's okay. where that that is where it works, because he's that a works all around. Massive. Ma- he's such a big pos that he would he would jump at it. There's no amount of backdoor and no matter bar and he's got the crap he gets them into. He's got the history. Three years. Who cares? Yeah. They won't care. He's got Texas A and M. Will absolutely sell their soul to win a title. And if it shuts down the whole program in three years, <laughs> wait, 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 they the sold their soul. They sold their to soul win. last time. They sold their soul for a conference title. What are you talking about? Uh, I'm just saying they would bury another like, dog whatever, just to get a conference whatever title. Whatever baggage came along with Urban Meyer, they don't care. They would not care. I don't think there's that much baggage with Urban Meyer. Well, he creates his own baggage. I don't he, think he does. But I don't think there is either. To be honest, I think I think yeah. there uh, a lot of crap surrounds him. <laughs> Which well, he doesn't. Whatever. He doesn't put the no, 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 no. It's because it's on his finger. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. He's a pos. He's all those things. I think he's, he's so a dirt bag. I think he's got all the 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 baggage and everything. I just don't think it's out in the open. He's not a known dirt bag. Like he hasn't. He is a known dirt bag. Yeah. Not in the same way. Not like he's got controversy. Not like he's got. He's just a dick. He, yeah, he's he, he's not like a guy who's a known. He's not like even what Harbaugh is getting close to being in, in terms of a known cheater. And he's not somebody who has like he has been adjacent or right next to people who have done really bad things or pretty bad things. But it's not like he's had run-ins with the law and run-ins with other stuff. It'd be different if you're talking about him for the, to be the next hire at Notre Dame. Yeah, he's got enough dirt. He's not going to get a job like that. But A&M, absolutely. I think they would – I don't think they would blink. Yeah, but he had the phony medical stuff when he left Florida saying, That's oh, not yeah, but what? That's not That's I mean, nothing. Who cares? Nobody I mean, cares about that. Yeah. I think he still came would, back. He coached two teams after that. If brought that up, they would they – would, Throw that back at you to say, don't don't say that. Why would you say yeah, something about coached, that? I mean, he coached two He had bad stuff in 2008, Jacksonville. still in jail. Yeah. He had Jacksonville. No he one was cares. kicking kicking kickers. And no one cares. I don't know. No one cares. That's I think not, it, he's that's toxic. That's not real bad stuff. He's toxic. toxic he may be toxic. He's toxic yes. doing what? Though? But he's not toxic he like a known criminal. Games. He wins football games. And that's what, what AM wants. Oh, he's, he's one of my new lead candidate. Floated is. Dan Campbell, would you step down from the Detroit Lions job no. to go back to your alma mater and be the head coach at A and M? Yes, for I think a hundred million guaranteed dollars for a lot of money, and you are an organization that is a perennial loser. He seems like an NFL guy through and through. He to me. does. Yeah, I don't see him recruiting. And that's what the, the only reason I'm True. discounting some of the NFL stuff is college is such a different animal now. Like it's all with year. recruiting is so different, and NIL is so different. Like there yeah, is so, there is something there NIL is something makes it, e- makes it it is more, more like free like agency, which yeah. the NFL is, is yeah, used to. But the, but there's still but recruiting has always lot, been there's different. There's a lot it's more so work different. that goes into. I mean, what's well, different work? Yeah, it is different work. And and I and that's why I've always said that, and I think I was wrong in the degree to which I thought this. 
I always thought Lincoln Riley wasn't a great candidate to leap to the pros because I used to think one of his key um, advantages, his competitive advantages, was recruiting. Now I don't believe that so much, so I don't think it's as big of a of a, a hurdle to say you're going to move to the pros. But for the most part, yes, those guys in the pros aren't necessarily very good at one of the key components in success in college, which is recruiting. So you either have to get deep into that and be really good at it or surround yourself with people that can make up for the fact that you're not doing it. So you have to discount the NFL coaches a little bit from that standpoint. I like I, I like the urban hire a lot. I think that's a really I think for sexy one. A&M's success, that's about as good of a hire as you could possibly make. And, I, and it would be to our detriment a little bit, honestly. Oh, sure. I think you know, for entertainment value, just because I would want to see what happens, Dion would be fun. <laughs> He'd be so fun. As a non-A&M so fan. Yeah. I mean, he was a Texas resident for a long time. I think, I think a scary hire for other teams that have to compete with A&M, and these people won't do it, but a climbing – who's yes. just a straight-up football coach and a yes, winner. I agree. I agree. Even Leopold yep. from Kansas. He doesn't I fit think, there, though, man. I think, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah these guys don't fit. No, it's not. Kyle Whittingham would – I could see him turning A&M into a, a juggernaut. I don't think he would put up with that donor I don't think so either. I'm just situation. saying, as a from a – if you just got rid of all the outside stuff. I don't know if Whittingham yeah, would but you be can't that there. good. He's <laughs> – I think he's a great coach. I think he is a great coach. So, what about an existing, like a Whittingham level, an existing Power Five coach that is, quote-unquote, on the rise and has turned a program around, Josh Heupel? Is that somebody A&M would think would be a good enough upgrade over Jimbo? I don't know. He's not really, I mean... The product he's put on the field this season hasn't really done a whole lot, right? I mean, and again... That, are they in the top 25? I think they still are. I think they still are. I they can't, can't, they can't, I can't win on the road, I mean, though. I don't know. And the thing yeah, about, they're, like the thing about, they're like 14-0 and at home and 4-5 and, and five on the road. The thing about Dion is, I don't know if Dion leaves yeah, his Yeah, Tennessee's kids. 21st. I don't think if Dion leaves his sons, right? I mean... Right. Thank you. Uh, the quarterback can go to the NFL... Yeah, he, yeah. Oh, really? For a hundred million dollars? Yeah, and I don't know. Dion does look look after himself, I guess. I don't know. He ranks The only way I see Dion being a hire there is because the delusional people at A&M would think that's a splash hire. No, it's the best A&M hire for us as possible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the epitome of an A&M hire. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely the epitome. Now, I was going to say something about what you alluded to, Jay. I'm not too worried about them being good because there are going to be just so many teams that are good. That's granted. And there's only so much good to go around. It may be better to spread the wealth a little bit rather than a Texas and an LSU be the dominant teams and that's part of the that SEC. Region, yeah. It'd be better maybe to have some some relative parity there with A&M sucking some of those recruits away and not allowing Texas to um, monopolize that to a degree, or LSU. I'd rather see that split maybe split those up among three teams rather than two. 
So I'm not too scared about them getting a really good hire. And then again, there's something about that culture that they'll make a good co- a great it, coach on the mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it it their expectations and their what they actually want to achieve is so out of line with what it really takes to achieve excellence. I think that it can make you worse at what you do. They've also had top 10 recruiting classes over the last I don't know, 6 or 8 years. They've had the number one ranked class of all time two years ago but, and done really nothing but give it. them a coach that isn't incompetent like jimbo and maybe those recruit maybe those top 10 recruiting classes turn into something watch, yeah, them, watch tw- them go get sark i think 24 7 does they that do would a, be hilarious they do a composite like four or five year you know recruiting thing and a&m has the fourth best roster in the country so it would be interesting to see how that competitively plays out uh, relative to OU and everyone else. It might help all. I mean, there's a degree that you don't want to play the best teams. And there's I also a degree goes, that you want the best teams in your conference because you want to be that conference in the SEC where they say, we can't leave five teams out of the playoff that are from the SEC. It's almost granted we're going to put five teams in or we're going to try to get five teams in. What was it? Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, yeah, and then A&M. Yeah, that sounds about right. And three of those teams actually or Bama, or, or are showing it. Yeah, could yeah, be Bama, Jordan. Used their, yeah, yeah. What they've yeah, that's yeah. the deal. That's, yeah, three of them have been that's, competing for championships. Yeah. And winning that's, the A&M's, that's A&M's kind of, you uh, know, the fans and the direct athletic directors and everybody that's, else. That's why you like, fire a guy and pay him $75 million because he isn't Yeah, you are not, talent. you know, you're just not getting what you should get out of And play. also, you're not having to come up with that $75 million off the bat. It was 20-something up front, and then what? what was it? Thirty million over eight years or whatever. It's so like seven and a half. When you're a going year, to, when yeah. you were talking about earlier, they already have to have their guy. I don't think that's the case at all. I think those guys are sitting around a room saying, "Hey, here's five guys that we can target." I think they're still uh, paying someone. We're just we're just going to fire him now, and we'll come up with the money later. What about um, and not to keep going down, but what about like a what about like a James Franklin? Who can't figure it out up at Penn State because he's that'd be the exact reason he already can't figure it out. He's, he is but, Jimbo Fisher, but he's recruiting against <laughs> he's recruiting against Ohio State and Michigan for those kids most of the time, right? Nah, he's like, there's uh, no chance. I'm not saying he's him. good. His record yeah. is he what is he? He's like yeah, three and fifteen against well, don't top so, twenty-five so teams or something like maybe that. Maybe you know this answer. I don't know this answer. Is the athletic director today the same guy that hired Jimbo Fisher? I think so. So if that's the case, this is a guy who was part of that deal, who exercised what I think was really poor judgment. I don't think it is the same guy. So maybe it's not. And I'm getting at this is an organization that has made bad decisions in the past. They could make really surprisingly bad decisions again. Didn't they bring in the guy from Florida State to A&M? At the same time? Yeah. And so, I, I think the Florida State A and I think the Florida State AD went to A and M, and then brought Jimbo with him, and I think he's still there. So I, I maybe I don't. That sounds A&M familiar to me too, but I don't know. Super um, close. Now this would be. I'm not a cult member. <laughs> fun, just because. No, he was at Ole Miss. Mm. Came over in 19. So he didn't hire Fisher then. What if they went back to the well, and stole, <laughs> back to back. Florida State head coach. <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen that. Florida State 
might a, explode. <laughs> Florida State's a feeder coaching school for, for a and yeah. And then they realize the mistake they made by not bringing in Dion, and then Dion goes to Florida Dion State. Dion goes to Florida State. His alma mater. Because uh, although I did think, you know, they, they had somebody asked him a question about Florida State, and he said, I don't, I don't claim them or something. Remember that yeah. a couple months ago? Yeah, because. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. Because he didn't graduate from there. He didn't there. graduate from there. So I'm not a Florida State alum or some yeah. crap that he said, which is just throwing shade because he's mad that he didn't get the job when Norvell did. Absolutely. Well, I don't know. It's a very interesting conversation. It's going to be an interesting hire. Obviously, it's up in the air. It, there's nothing about it that we can pin down. It's not a lock yet, but i tell you what is a lock. The locks of the week. The realest deal. Locks of the week. And the locks of the week, of course, are brought to you by Five Star Concrete. David and Josh are local business servicing the metro area from patios, sidewalks, driveways, shops, and more. Call them or text them at 405-306-3014 or look them up on Facebook. That's Five Star Concrete. Well, let's talk about how we've been doing um, most recently and see if we've corrected the trajectory at all of where we are. Up, oh, checking in. Nope, we haven't. I think um, I misunderstand the rules. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, it's well. Actually, in a sense, you've got it down. Okay. You are locking in on losers. Yes. I'm the one who can't figure it out. I was one and two last week. Connor's figured it out. He was three and zero. Oh. Um, Lucas, you were were two and one. Um, so you haven't figured it out exactly, but at least you're on the winning side of it. And Luke and and Jay, you you've totally figured it out at, at zero and three <laughs> that's <laughs> three weeks in a row just no 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 no, no, no listen no. three of the last four oh, I'm sorry. three of the last four don't don't bring that on me <laughs> as a group i only go <laughs> in any no particular order there's a zero and a three that's all i do it's either i'm either three and oh on the right side a lot of volatility i told you i told you last week literally Make your picks and then just fade yourself when we announce them. I would be nine and three in the last month. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so as a group, we are 70, 73, and one for a 49% winning record. I am at the bottom of that, 38%. How are you at the bottom? I'm at 38%. I'm three and nine. He's got yeah. a lot of one and twos. In I got a, a lot of one and twos. <laughs> it's my favorite number combination. You're 42%, Jay. And we have a tie at the top between Connor and Lucas, 58% each. That's a very respectable number, 58%. That's good. So let's turn it around this week, guys. Um, I'm going to turn it around by picking a team I picked before and had some success. I'm going to start with Penn State giving 20.5 to Rutgers. Then I've got Duke giving 3.5 to Virginia. And then Oregon giving 22.5 to Arizona State. Connor, what do you got? I have. Uh, you may have to hold me honest. I think the lines may have changed a little bit. I've Why got, don't I tell you what you have? Yeah, <laughs> l- yeah. You can just let, let them know what I got. You have Tulsa getting four and a half against North Texas. Yeah. You have Oklahoma State giving seven against Houston. You have Washington <laughs> getting two and a half against Oregon State. Now that's a that's an interesting one. So the fifth ranked team in the country is getting points on the road against a team that has not been able to decide if they're good or not. They're back on being good, Oregon State. We'll see where they are. They just got – they won 
I, I guess, a judge's ruling in their favor that they in Washington State control the Pac-12 right now. <laughs> and all of the, the $200 million. <laughs> that should money. be the correct, the correct move, if you ask me. Yeah, you're probably When right. everybody's leaving the conference, why right. do they have any say whatsoever? You're probably it's right. a lot like when we didn't get to vote on the new members coming to the Big 12. We didn't deserve to. I think most of it is uh, monetary-based. It's not, it's not I don't just, think they care about I think, that. It's, I don't think it's just voting rights. <laughs> I think it's pretty dang funny, though. <laughs> it is. It is. So uh, who, who among uh, the, the remainder want to go first? I'll go uh, Tulane minus 9.5 against FAU. I've got Iowa minus 3 against Illinois. Bold. They, they almost covered last week the total by themselves. That's right. It was 27 and a half. They, and they were won on 22 the, to nothing. They were on the five yard line with a minute to play. And they if they would have just punched it into the end zone, they would have covered the over <laughs> all by themselves. And maybe that OC would still have his job no, come the end of the they season. They already announced that he's not coming back <laughs> because he couldn't average 25 points. Um, and then I'm going back to my stalwart of JMU minus nine against App State. All right. Well, Jay, tell us who's going to be 0-3. <laughs> ah, let's see here. Please don't have Got any bad picks. news for you, Please Connor. Don't have any picks. <laughs> I thought about going with Texas just to put the hex on them because we need it. Yeah. That's when it. That's when you'd <laughs> that's have a three in a week. <laughs> right. Exactly. So stay away from Texas. I am going to roll with Kansas State minus the eight and a half. At Kansas, I'm counting on the fact that their quarterbacks got a bum leg for Kansas. Their second stringer. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Although he started every game this season for the most uh, outside of the first two. And I'm also taking Oklahoma State minus seven and a half. Sorry, minus seven. Minus, oh, seven, minus seven. It's right. It's corrected against Houston. I just. I don't like Gundy, but I do think he's a good coach. Last week was a little bit of a, I don't know. I don't know what happened to him last week. I think they'll rebound. And who did I go with? The what fighting was my third? Who? The fighting Hyples. Is that what I went with? You went with Tennessee. Tennessee oh plus 10? Plus 10 and a half against Georgia. Well, I have no reason Is it for 10 that. or 10 and a half? I don't think it matters. It's Jay's pick. <laughs> okay. It's ten and a half on here. Might as well be a thousand. Um, well, that let's hope we can get us as a group into the the positive territory. We're we're very close. Let's get the 50% I'm counting on fifty one percent. I'm counting on. Last week for Tennessee was they played so bad. It, it was it wasn't their normal. I don't their 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 mean their their median play style. Georgia is on the up and up, but they haven't been completely dominant on the road. And Tennessee's like fourteen and zero at home. Yeah, last two years. They're gonna be yeah. That, that They're place gonna be is, That place it. is gonna be. I'm a little jealous of the atmosphere there because it's gonna be rocking. Yeah, that's gonna be a, a fun one uh, in Knoxville. I, I, hope, I don't love it, but that's my reason. I hope you're right. I hope it sounds like a it sounds like a three and zero week to me, and I'm I'm saying that just because you have one of my picks. So. <laughs> well, let's talk about the OU score. We we don't think very much of BYU in terms of their ability to score nor their ability to hold their opponents from scoring. Uh, we know that OU needs to have a win to keep their hopes alive to get to the Big 12 championship, and we want them to have a strong finish to the season. I think we'd love to see them be 10-2. and two. 
that would be my prediction right now of where we'll finish the regular season. And in keeping with that, I'm going to predict OU 56, BYU 10. Nice. I have uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a closer game. I've got 45-17 to the Sooners. I have 41-10 Oklahoma. Are we going to miss an extra point? Nope, two field goals. Okay. Jay? 38-13. Okay. Got the low score and, and the middle score in terms of what BYU will produce. Well, we'll see. I guess everybody has us covering except Jay, right? Um, no, no Jay, right. Lee, yeah, Jay would. Point. Yeah, 24 and a half, right? Okay, yeah, you're right. All of us have us easy, covering. Easy cover. Barely, barely <laughs> covering. Yeah. <laughs> We'll see. Um, I have no confidence in Levy. I'm not going to lie. So I'm not going to lie either. I, I tend to have a lot of doubts myself. Um, and, and that's frustrating to come into it with that attitude. It is it's disappointing and frustrating. And I could see the coaches, if they were sitting here, being I'm fr- saying I'm frustrated with you as a fan to think that. But I just haven't had any reason to have confidence that they're going to put everything together that they need to. I mean, to. I saw... I, Very know, confident in the defense. I've seen fans for the last 72 hours just totally back on this train of Levy's some incredible Gushing. coordinator and, oh, look at us now and what a great game it was and look at DG's numbers. It We're, was a great game. It was, but it's a game. Yeah, but it was out of the norm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I that, think we'll have more possessions, like I talked about earlier, we were having 13 or 14 possessions a game the last over the last four or five, and <clears throat> I think as good as our defense has been and as poor as BYU's offense has been, that could amount to two extra possessions this game and or shorter fields, which would give me – that's why I've got us in the 40s as opposed to, to mid-30s. What we're used to. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, what does BYU have to play for other than pride um, to I, the extent that it matters? Point, I mean, I, I, are they – they're five and five. So they're they're playing for they're bowl playing for a bowl game, but they have um, they have Oklahoma State, they have Oklahoma State coming. So it's so. just it's just one of those deals where it's a huge game for them, regardless. I don't, I don't care how huge good or name, bad they huge are. Opponent. Yeah, it's just the last time they played us, they beat us. Yeah, sure. So that matters. It was a long time ago. Um, they knocked our quarterback out. Um, the beginning of the Landry Jones era. The beginning of a very, 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 very disappointing season. A season where we really oh, man. absolutely had everything going in our favor. That I mean, if I, we stay I, healthy, we I easily, I mean, God, we could have been the best. If this game is sixty-two to ten, I mean, I, I won't be surprised. Yeah, I, I agree. I just I'll that's a ex- score. That's that's the type of scoreline this game should yeah. be, though. Yeah, it should. It yeah. should and the, the scoreline that Steve is predicting, yep, is the type of score that we should see come. You know. 2 o'clock, 2.30 on Saturday. And we were celebrating and getting well, ready well, to watch some. 2.30? That must mean this is a, a morning kickoff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I in the mountain time zone, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so what time are they kicking off there? It'll be 10, 10 10.05, mm-hmm. I think it is, so, technically. So this the is our 11th game. Earliest kickoff in the history of OU football, I believe. It's our 11th game of the season. Tied for it. Tied yes. for it. Tied for it. The Arcansas. Well, think, it's going to beat it by a couple minutes. But Yeah, it'll beat it by two minutes. Okay. Yeah. By schedule. Gotcha. Yeah, so we've this is our eleventh game of the season, and I believe we've played. This will be our eighth eleven o'clock kickoff. Be our seventh. Our seventh. Okay. Seventh. What we will have played eight 
total oh, because of next week games yep. at eleven that, o'clock. Um, eight out of twelve. Yep. And eight if we make 12. the conference championship, it'll be nine. Nine. Yeah. So we'll just let this be our realist rant about yet again this conference and their inability to be good enough to have a network that is at the upper end of what college football should be, and that is playing in premier slots that actually are good for your fans, both at home and attending the game. The idea that Big Noon is some special thing is just ridiculous, but that's what Fox has done. No, so this is an ESPN game. Well, this is an ESPN game, yeah. but, but most of those 11 well, a.m. kickoff yeah. are Fox, and Fox started it. Yeah. And this is an aberration to have an 11 a.m. kickoff for ESPN, and what I think will be an aberration going forward. We won't see this, I'm quite confident, because it's a, it's a bad kickoff time. It's a bad kickoff time for someone in the central time zone, much less the mountain time zone, which is where this is being played. And it's really bad for a premier team, which we should be and perennially are, to have an early kickoff like this is just a joke. And it's one more way, one more reason we need out of this conference as soon as we can. We need to do an over-under on 11 o'clock kickoffs for next season before the SEC announces. That's a great and they're going to they, announce they said in mid the December. Summer. They said mid December they were going to have a the bunch schedule. of a bunch a schedule, but they were going to have some starting times for some of those games. Four and a half. Which OU Texas will be eleven if I had to guess. Yeah, that's that's why uh, I, I would. Think there's a good chance that's two thirty. I would. I bet. So it's true. They're kind of. All right. So what do you think here. your over under? You say four and a half. I'd say the over under we could set it at four and a half, and I'd say we play under under four and a half. I'm going to say under for sure. I think it's a. a Strong I'm thinking under. three or four. I I think it's a strong under because I don't know if any of your non-conference will be. I we think there's play, a good chance all those will be night games. We play Maine. I don't know if that'll be 11 a.m. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah, if, if we have anything to do with it, those will be night games because of the heat. Yeah, that, we'll no, Maine, Maine's a late season Houston. game. Houston. Oh, Maine's the Maine's Oh, the that's our season. that's Maine's our bye week. Maine's uh, that's our game. Yeah. yeah, that's our rivalry that's our pra- week. That's our practice. You know, game Alabama's practice. playing Chattanooga this week. So, right. so who do, who's non-con? We have we have Maine, we have Temple, we have Houston, Houston, Tulane, and Tulane. Tulane, Tulane, which is Tulane's not the pushover it should be. Right. When scheduled. Well, they're not this year. Well, they weren't okay. last year either. Yeah. Beat USC in the. Yeah, oh, they got they got better last year. You're right. And they almost beat but us a year before that. We'll see. Yeah, they were still a pushover. We just. I blame the hurricane. Good. I was excited about New Orleans trip. Just yeah, that was fun. We had screwed it. over on. Still getting emails. Well, maybe we'll get a tornado <laughs> and we'll get to go down there for this. <laughs> well, I think that's a good over under. What do you guys think? Uh, I'm under. I think I think you nailed it. I mean, that's the perfect line to me. It, it could be four or five. I mean, there's three major time slots, you're, right? You're up in you're you're pushing that. You're, three major time you're not slots take for a football. Stand. Come so on, take is, a stand. Is, so is but is is ESPN going to implement the 2.30 as a major time slot for them. Hasn't that always been the, the big... For CBS. I think it'll probably that, yeah, still but be CBS for the CBS is the Big Ten now, right? Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm assuming ESPN will implement a 2.30 I would imagine. I think with, game, right? with the big showcase of OU and Texas coming into the conference, they will try to, to get us in the midday or the night. You're going to have to. You're going to have to with these big names. You're going to have yeah. to implement something I mean, where... At so make a, you got to make a call. LSU. Over or under? Bama's at home, and we've got a we've got yeah. a legit big time name school schedule. Absolutely, next year. At over under. I'm gonna say, <sighs> like I said, that line's perfect. I'm gonna say under at four. What do you say, Jay? 
Yeah, I'll say it's a push. I mean, I think there's three. You can't push four and a half. You can't push four and a half. I'm going four then. Okay, okay. so under. Because, under. All under. Because I think there's three time slots for football games. It just right. makes sense to play four <laughs> in each time zone. And there's a there's a fourth Pac-12 in dark. Um, after dark. No. Nope, you should have four 11 a.m. games. You yeah. should have four two thirties. You should have four night games. So I would say shouldn't be that hard to figure. Another out. factor that hopefully should be working in OU's favor is we're back to playing championship contention football all the way through a season. In which case we're always a good push to be the game of the week. And so our opportunities for games of the week are going to potentially steal away from having to be in that 11 a.m. time slot that we're moving into that 6, 6.30 time slot. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we are back in the swing of that fully so that, again, one more reason the under looks like a good bet that we're moving away from But just 11. as a college football fan for next year, when you look at who's in the SEC and who's in the Big Ten, and the games oh. that we get to watch Oh, the next slates are going to be awesome. It's unbelievable. The slates it's are going to be great. It's getting to where it I, needs to be. My only, the only thing I would harp on as the sport that we love, if they could just – I know they're different companies, but if they could just work together so that you're not having monster match, matchups at the same time, Please. So, so that, you know, some would say that's called collusion, but I agree. I think that actually would be nothing wrong with that, and they could actually accomplish that. Love one way going or the to the other. games. I hate when we're at the game and, and it's like, huge, oh, Ohio State it's and gonna Michigan's be, playing. It's going to be like, come on, inevitable, can, can though. It's many great matchups as we're getting. It's inevitable you're going to see some of that. Yeah. The good thing is there's going to be plenty of good games to watch in the other time slots. We, have, we suffer through so many times that you're talking about where the three great games that week are all at the same time. And we're then sitting around trying to get excited about nobody state against who cares. And I don't think you're going to have to suffer through that very much at all. Movie studios literally will move the opening date of movies around based on other movies that are coming out. Because it's beneficial to both studios. You don't want to have the biggest Marvel movie opening up against... Uh, a Top Gun or something like that. You know, they did the the Barbenheimer situation this year, where both the tentpole movies came out the same weekend, and it was like two this, totally different movies. This big thing that happened, right? Two well, completely different movies. The well, they do that again in cultural all the event, time too. essentially. But I would I would say that CBS would rather have Ohio State Michigan at eleven as opposed to going against alabama ou at six o'clock why would you why would you get the eyeballs away from your game because of the other game no absolutely both both companies can benefit in ad dollars by scheduling their times at the at the other end well if they're smart they're gonna they'll gravitate towards that and the big 10 has always traditionally had a lot of those 11 a.m kickoffs so you just give it to them yeah and they're in the eastern side so it is noon for them not 11 a.m well the southeastern conference so i see that happening Mostly Eastern time Yeah, but traditionally too. the Big Ten has done right. that. So television has always done that as well. I think it just makes sense. So TV shows, uh, you know, if you got either three major whoever's networks, matching up on right? big TV or, or on a big event like the Academy Awards or whatever, yeah. Yeah, three major networks, three time slots, slots that just work it out. Yeah, it well, you, and you yeah, but you're working with a lot more product, though, than just, you know, I mean, like you said, look at the slates. You, you could have OU, Bama, 
in Texas, Georgia, which the SEC won't schedule it that way. But you, you could have a great SEC matchup and then another good right. SEC matchup where you're having to well, – You might have yeah, great, the, great, it's, great. It's the greats that you – you should be able to calculate. You should be able to yes. figure that out. Well, That's yeah, you're smart enough. Will. Well, you're smart enough. You're not going to put it, it to the unless you get in a weird situation where you just can't help it. You're going to have each of those time slots for the SEC have the biggest matchup that week possible, right? And then if you're the other networks working with the Big Ten, you're going to do the same thing. But if you look at it, you're going to if there happen to be an opening at 2.30, you're going to push that bigger game to the 2.30 if either network is going to do that. So I think you're going to see that. Now, I do think you're going to see some some situations where there's two great games going on just because there's going to be so many great games. But I do, I'm do. i excited about that. I'm really excited about the fact that we're going to see probably every Saturday really, really good football in every time slot. And that's going to be to the detriment of a lot of other teams. And I think that strengthens my long-time contention of we need to get this league to where it's more elite, and we need to drop the bottom half of the league and get it into its own separate division, because and the eyeballs won't be there. It's just not going to be that exciting to see, uh, you know, pick a school, Arizona and an Oregon State play, and I know they're not going to be necessarily together, but those level of teams, no one's watching that game. It'll if, be interesting to see as well. Except when nine o'clock kickoffs, because that's all that's left. Unless, unless yeah. they they push to the very end. And it'll be interesting to see as well how, um, you know, with the the Big Ten now splitting time with with NBC, how NBC starts utilizing some of those time slots as well, um, because NBC isn't just showing Notre Dame anymore, and so the way that it's written up, I, I'm assuming, will ESPN still show? Like what if that? What if there is a a mar- Like what if game day goes to uh, to Columbus and it's Ohio State Michigan? Fox gets the rights to that first because that is who. Like is ESPN still going to show other games outside of SEC I games? I don't, I don't know. I don't think ESPN has any Big Ten anymore. So it's so I think it's, it's CBS. So and you are you're talking about true network alignment at this point with conferences. with conferences. It sounds like it. I think all the SEC is. Is going to be ESPN, ABC, and SEC Network. I don't think there'll be any Fox games in the SEC. Big Twelve, Big 12 is going to have a lot of problems. I, I have a question about that, and as we're wrapping up, but what do you think our interest in Big Twelve football going forward will be? Do you think because we're here? Yes, because we watched so Zilch. many Big Twelve games over the last well thirty years um, when. OSU plays Kansas State, and those are the top two teams in that conference. And we're already we've already played our game at two thirty, right. and OSU K State's playing at six o'clock. But then you've also got Georgia Florida. Let's say, well, that's always a two thirty. I hate watch but OSU every day L- of the week. LSU A and M's playing at six o'clock, and OSU Kansas State's playing at six o'clock. I think that you'll. I'll have, be watching LSU. You'll have some inertia that keeps you interested this next season it will be a far cry from what it is this season and it will diminish even more in the future so let me ask you a question to answer your question who did indiana play last week who cares illinois and that's in yeah i think it was actually <laughs> illinois. but uh, hey i watch college football right so you're, <laughs> I watch all the games. you're not going to watch it you're I not going to care i think you're going to get a lot of 
Big 12 after dark because you're you adding Arizona, now, Arizona now that's State, when, Utah. When there's nothing else on, yeah. Listen, we'll watch it and hate watch it. I am a, I will be a massive Big 12 fan if it's Big 12 after dark. Right. Because <laughs> right. there's nothing better than us doing our post game and hate watching celebrating something. a victory <laughs> and just watching some you know 46 42 <laughs> night game oh, out here under the stars the with the fire pit and our beverages and our cigars <laughs> i'll do that absolutely and that's no the longer only on way planet. we'll watch it. well, it's kind of how i feel about the acc right now right i watch two teams in the acc yeah. If there's a couple of good teams in the Big 12 that are worth watching because they're in the top 10 in, and, in the and it means something, yeah. I'll probably tune in just to just to put it on. But, but not outside, over one of those other teams. No. Right. And, and, and teams that have implications on our season right. that we need to win or lose or, or do something. Or we're scouting with. to see because yeah. we've got all the schedule exactly. coming up. Exactly. So, I mean, it's very much how I view the ACC. But there's right also now. the Big 12 is going to be having <laughs> Thursday and Friday games as well. Yeah. Well, I have to watch it. Then. So, yeah. that, that's going to be a situation where that's the only game on anyway. We're going to watch those to begin with. Yeah, and I think, like, you think I about how many times. I want to watch Utah dominate the Big 12? No, I want I want to see them do what they do, but I can see some Utah Kansas State like battles. Mm-hmm. That would be true. Years. But I we won't watch it the way we'll like if we're just sitting around and we're waiting like if we're waiting for a 2:30 kick and and it's 11 a.m. games, by default we'll turn on a Big 12 game. That's not going to happen going forward we'll turn on Vanderbilt versus somebody because they're in our conference and we're watching that so I don't I think it's going to be exceptionally diminished I think it's like you said we'll we'll still watch a year or two and then it'll slowly diminish to where everything we watch is yep. SEC the, the fall off in the Big 12 is about to be heavy I mean it's going to be a drastic downswing I mean they're, they're you're losing your cash cows you're losing your your best teams it's gonna be, it's gonna be the freaking American it's, it's like, conference. It's like Boise State. It's or gonna something. be the yeah. American. Nobody conference. outside of the towns and the fans of these other Big Twelve teams watches these games. Right. Nobody currently east of the Mississippi watches any other game that doesn't involve Odin, Texas. Right. Like they do yeah. not care about any other team in the Big Twelve. In the Big Twelve, yeah. And that'll be even more so going forward when they're not a, a conference of contention. I think you're right. Well, a reminder that the midweek pod is brought to you by Fluke Luke Fishing. Go check him out on YouTube. Uh, watch him, like him, subscribe. He gives a lot of great fishing advice. We're going to be here to watch the game against BYU in the morning. We'll be potting at some point that day. Um, we may wait until the Texas game is over. We may pod ahead of that and then maybe give an emergency pod if Iowa State can pull it off with excitement about what potentially lies ahead for OU if they can continue to take care of business. Until then, Boomer, Sooner. Sooner.